Welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast, and today we have Seti Coscarella, CEO of Tart Global Alternatives. Uh, the company's just announced its Q3 results, which have been very impressive, and uh, we've got a, a chance to catch up with him um, in his busy agenda. Welcome to the podcast, Seti Coscarella. Um, this is the second time we've had the CEO of what is now called Tart Global Alternatives on the show. Uh, we did catch up with you on an, on an earlier one, but uh, I thought it would be a good opportunity to do an update with you, especially given that uh, the company released some results this week and also have a, um, have a quick look at, at progress, really, with the business over the last six months. Sure. Well, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No, no, thank you. So um, just very briefly, for those who are, aren't familiar with the company, can you just give us a very quick summary of TAT and, and um, what it does? Sure thing. So TAT is a tobacco alternative. So we make a combustible stick similar to a cigarette. However, our product does not contain any tobacco and does not contain any nicotine. And what I think the real exciting thing for the company is that we figured out how to get this product to behave and taste like tobacco and satisfy consumers in the same way tobacco would, but without creating an addiction or feeding an existing one because the product isn't addictive. So the easiest corollary would be to think about it like you would Beyond Meat compared to meat. And that's why we use the moniker Beyond Tobacco and Beyond Nicotine because I think for a lot of people, it's an easy reference point and they, they quickly then understand. So, I mean, uh, obviously there's a lot more to it than that, but if I had to kind of summarize it in a few seconds, that's probably the best way I can do it. I mean, one of the things I like to, one way I try to like to describe it is almost like um, a third way. You've got like nicotine tobacco, you've then got the, the vaping answer to tobacco, and then you've got what, what basically you guys are doing with the proprietary material that can be sold as a cigarette, um, smells like a cigarette, tastes like a cigarette, is packaged like a cigarette, but it's not nicotine tobacco, so it doesn't need to be, for example, taxed like a cigarette. Correct. Or or have marketing restrictions on it like a cigarette. So, I mean, for us, we just landed uh, our first shipment into the UK uh, late last week, and it's coming in without the plain packaging. So the cigarettes that are otherwise sold in the UK are sold with plain packaging. Ours do not have to be so because they're not regulated like tobacco. And that's actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about um, because over the last six months we've seen TAT uh, moving closer to the actual distribution into the UK. It's something a lot of our readers have been asking us about because ever since we started writing about the company, people on this side of the Atlantic have also been asking us what they've been saying. It's a great company, we really like it, but can we actually buy it here in in the UK and Western Europe. And at the time, you were very focused on, on the US distribution. Um, so can you give us an update actually on, on the, the, the European plans? I know you were looking at uh, the Irish market as well. So over the last uh, couple of months, we've landed a master distributor for the UK and Ireland. So we've landed our first shipment there. We're in the process of um, manufacturing the second shipment. We've also landed a distributor for Australia, and we're in advanced discussions now with a number of other distributors throughout continental Europe that are very excited about the product and think that this will perform extraordinarily well in the EU market, as do I. One of the things that we've been working on diligently over the last number of months is updates on the formulation of TAT. So when we initially launched the product, 
I thought the product was very good, but given some of the feedback we got back from consumers, I thought that there were some changes we could make to further enhance the product, right? I mean, I'm always a big fan of continuous improvement. And I kind of look at it like the iPhone, right? The first iPhone was a great iPhone for the generation that it came in. If you compare today's iPhone to the first iPhone, it's vastly different, right? It's not to say that the first iPhone wasn't very good, but for the time that it launched, it was great. And I think with Beyond Tobacco, it's the same thing. I think when we launched the first version of TAT, it was an excellent product. But with the consumer feedback, there were some challenges we wanted to address, and we have. And I think now with the newly formulated version of TAT, it's going to perform extraordinarily well in the market because it satiates uh, a consumer's needs, I think, better than anything else that exists. Also, another thing that's been happening has been the gradual expansion in the U.S., which is obviously the core market for you. I know that um, you um, were building um, over the summer distribution relationships or networks in places like North Carolina, uh, Georgia. Um, I think you're also in Illinois. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the U.S. sales strategy is going? Well, listen, I think it's it's expanding now and, and it's gaining momentum day by day. So we launched in Ohio towards Christmas time of 2020. You know, we were in a, 100 stores or so. Right now we're in well over 1,000 stores. We're in over 20 states. Um, we're getting inundated with requests that I think we're well positioned now to start fulfilling against. And I would say that throughout the summer... We were getting a lot of interest, but we wanted to make sure that this new version would be the version that we would really aggressively commercialize with because I thought that the consumer response to it was going to be infinitely better than what it would have been on the version one. So we spent a better part of the summer building a lot of these relationships, going to the trade shows, getting introduced uh, to a lot of the networks of wholesalers, distributors, retailers, and now we're in the execution phase of fulfilling on a lot of that initial interest. And I think that you'll start to see the commercialization of TAT accelerate over the next uh, quarters, both in the U.S. and overseas. And at the moment, you've you've got a manufacturing hub that sits in Nevada, and this is where all the all the cigarettes get get made. That's obviously been upgraded as well um, since the company was listed. How are you confident that the that manufacturing capability is going to be able to meet these big orders that you're anticipating coming from? not just Europe, but also domestic U.S. market as well. Well, uh, yes, I do, because the way that you build these things, I mean, you have to build them in a scalable way. And oftentimes, especially with manufacturing, I mean, you build it modularly so that if I had to add another module, I add another module. If I have to turn one off, I can turn one off. And that really helps you scale quickly. Also, we wanted to utilize a lot of excess capacity that's currently in the market through through other manufacturing relationships where we'll send certain elements of the manufacturing process out to get other companies to do it for us. And that also helps keep the company asset light, which I think is important. So it allows us to, to remain nimble. It allows us to make improvements very quickly, and it doesn't create a lot of weight on the balance sheet for heavy assets. So we're, we're trying to be as smart as we can in terms of how we scale the business while leveraging a lot of, again, the excess capacity that's in the market. And as we look to expand throughout Europe, uh, we'll likely look at doing similar things there. So where it makes sense, we'll look at setting up certain manufacturing facilities, whether on our own or in conjunction with other partners. And I think that'll just help speed to market. 
I just wanted to ask you about the numbers that you uh, released at the start of this week. Were you were you happy with those and happy with the the way sales are going with the business over the summer months? I have been. You know, I think I had mentioned previously. Uh, if we're looking at sort of longer term projections, I'd say the business should be doing about seven figures in sales this year, eight figures in sales next year, and nine figures in sales the year after. The fact that we hit seven figures in sales in one quarter, I think, uh, clearly gives us a check mark. <laughs> On that first metric, um, and I do anticipate the the sales to continue to accelerate, especially as we start adding more and more stores, as we start bringing more and more states online, as we start adding more countries, because that's really the the level of discussions that we're having now. It's not just the, from the perspective of hey, I've got a you know a couple of stores here, you know a, a small chain of stores over there. Like we're talking to distributors that want exclusivities across countries, which I think is extraordinary for a company at our age and stage like uh, I, I can't emphasize the point enough like this isn't par for the course this isn't normal like you know th this takes a, a lot of work and it requires a keen understanding of the industry alongside uh, a fundamentally good product and I think we have both so uh, I believe that we've been able to demonstrate you know continued success and I think that we'll be able to continue to do so and um I know it's a hard one for you to answer, but what would you what would you anticipate uh, seeing in terms of growth and in progress um, over the next six months before your next set of numbers? Over the next six months, well, ideally, I'd like to be uh, in at least double the number of stores that we're in now in the U.S., um, and I'd like to add at least a couple more countries throughout Europe. So, I think we're well positioned to do that, and I think on the back of that we'll start to see continued acceleration. Again, I think a lot of people, especially overseas on the distribution side, were waiting to see our ability to land the product in, in Europe. They love the product, but they're like, okay, can you actually land it and pass it through customs? And we did. Now, I think the, the nature of those conversations swiftly starts to change. Say, okay, you can deliver on what you said you can deliver. The product is very good. I think we need to start getting to work. And that's where we're at now. Um, in terms of the U.S., um, obviously that's, I know you started in Ohio, that was a very strategically important market for you. Are you able to comment at all about um, other potential potential domestic U.S. markets you might be interested in going forwards? Well, I mean, we are starting to look now, um, obviously in Nevada, which is our home state, uh, California. Ideally, we want to be in as many states as possible, as quickly as possible, so I'm not really... Uh, discriminating one over the other. I think when we get opportunities in those states, we'll take advantage of them. And now that we have this revised formulation, there's a lot of manufacturing efficiencies that come along with it. So our throughput has increased tremendously. The waste on manufacturing has decreased. To, from Originally, the waste on manufacturing was probably 25 to 30%. Right now, it's less than one. So there's a lot of throughput efficiencies that we've been able to generate and i think on the back of that the speed with which we can manufacture product has dramatically increased so as the opportunities come i think we'll be in a very good position to start fulfilling on them quickly when when we first spoke to you you said at the time that you anticipated that there would be some substantial changes to the way big tobacco was going to operate and was going to sell products going forwards you're obviously a former big tobacco executive yourself um, we've seen uh, Philip Morris, for example, um, 
changing the way it does business here in Europe. It does seem to me that you know you were right that there's an emphasis now uh, amongst these companies for um, a change of direction and change of products. And you are you obviously were quite prescient about this because you saw the potential there in TAT and and saw that as a company that that was going to go places. And that's a company that has some very solid IP behind it as well. Can you just briefly touch on on you know your own observations about about where the the tobacco market is going and and also a little bit on the the actual intellectual property and patents of the the tap business and where that stands sure thing so on the ip side it's one thing that we spend a lot of time on you know developing patents making sure that we have our intellectual property protected creating trademarks uh, in various jurisdictions throughout the world because obviously the worst thing you want is to create a brand that people want and then anybody else can start using the name. So I think we've done a very good job of trying to build moats around our brand, both from patents and IP protection. Now, when it comes to the other tobacco companies, I do see shifts in their direction. Mm. I think they're starting to listen to the consumer a lot more Mm. and Again, I've said this right from the beginning. You'd be hard-pressed to find a consumer that says they enjoy the fact that they're addicted to nicotine. Not going to happen, right? So there's only so much you can keep feeding somebody something they don't want. You can change the format. You can change the delivery mechanism. You can change the taste. You can change a whole wide variety of different things. But at the end of the day, you're feeding them a useless drug that nobody wants. And I think that a lot of the tobacco companies are starting to open their eyes now, which is why you start seeing in their press releases their beyond nicotine strategy. I'm telling you, nobody said the word beyond when I was there. No, and they weren't saying that even a year ago, and now I'm seeing it all over the place. No. And we've registered the trademark on that, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Very sensible. Listen, uh, it's flattering, to say the least, but I do think that this is a big shift in direction for a lot of these companies to start looking at other things that they can deliver to a consumer base that can help satiate the market and give them something they actually want. They tended to be a lot more slow moving. I think until Juul showed up and within three years created a whirlwind of demand and excitement around this new product. I don't think anybody wants to wait as long as they did for Juul because then they had to pay $40 billion for Juul. So when they think they see um, opportunities that start gaining some traction, their interest level gets peaked a bit sooner than historically. Understood. Understood. (laughs) We should have some more details on the UK launch within the next couple of weeks in terms of what stores they're actually going into Uh, where people are going to be able to find it. And I think, you know, for the uh, consumers and investors in the UK, they'll be pleased. Like, we're working with some really great parties over there. So I'm hopeful that they'll be able to easily find TAT. Well, that's good to know, because as as I've said, we do get asked about it quite a bit. Yeah. And, and, And one thing I'll mention, too, I mean, like, oftentimes, like, you still have to figure out how to work with regulators. And you can't just sit there and throw sand in everyone's eyes because nobody likes that. So even on the packaging, there were a couple of things that we were working with the regulators in the UK to say, okay, maybe you don't use this word, maybe you use this word. Maybe you don't call it this, maybe you call it that. And, and I, I guess I should also emphasize that, that TAT's target market 
is the existing smoker who's already buying nicotine Correct. and um, is looking to get out of that habit. Um, you're not looking to create new smokers. You're, you've got enough smokers globally um, who are you know unhappy with nicotine to for you to sell to them. Exactly. And at the end of the day, I truly believe we're here to solve a problem, not create a new one. There's a massive problem. You have a bunch of people addicted to nicotine. And we can give them something to use in its stead that isn't addictive yet still satisfies. And then now you can make the decision yourself. If you want to smoke, smoke. If you don't, don't. Okay. That's totally fine. And I think given the current state, that's better than trying to feed people a highly concentrated nicotine vape and say that this is somehow better for you. And and just very briefly going back to the UK distribution, are you... Are you going to be following a similar strategy to the one you followed in the States where you're selling TAT in the venues where cigarettes are sold? Yeah, yeah. So we're looking at matching that distribution strategy. Fantastic. And we'll work with large active distributors in each of these markets, UK included, to try to get the product distributed as quickly as possible and then build the marketing infrastructure behind it to help people become aware that this product exists. So... I think we'll be set up. Uh, we'll be set up nicely over the next couple of months. We look forward to seeing it arriving on these shores. Thank you very much indeed, Seti. Thank you, Stuart. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website www.thearmchairtrader.com for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there. Mm-hmm.